Oops, I Did It Again was a classical song released by the wonderful Britney Spears, and I'm going to tell you how it's made a massive impact on the AFL this weekend. Here comes my review, Laces Out. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, I'm Christopher Pepper, the host of the Laces Out podcast, and I'm wrapped to have you again here for our round 13 update. Uh, You can honestly say it has been a week of trials and tribulations, not just for clubs, but for players, but also, more importantly, for the AFL. And funny enough, this week's great pretender will be awarded to someone without the realm of the AFL community for the first time this year. But like I said earlier, Britney Spears, the classical poet from the early 2000s, who was known for her Oops, I Did It Again soundtrack, resonated with the AFL community this week. And it happened to happen during a Richmond game this weekend. Now, last year's Virtually I Won Everything medalist, Dustin Martin, happened to touch an umpire. And as we know, that is a no-no. A number of weeks ago, I also stated that, hey, you know, no touchy-touchy, no feely-feely. But as Brittany said, oops, I did it again. And Dustin, for whatever apparent reason, decided to put his case up against uh, an umpire during the game. Now... We know that the AFL have pretty much said in the earlier rounds that, you know, you cannot touch it. No matter what happens, we will take it to the tribunal and that's the way it's going to be. But for some reason, Michael Christian came out earlier in the week and said, well, there's different levels of touching and we don't think this was um, along the levels of what we think would need to be a, let's just say, tribunal offence. Now, I don't know about you, but I am completely stumped once again, with the AFL's positioning on this. Um, I think this is just another example of the rules in place not being adhered to by the powers that be and making inconsistent rulings, factoring in who was the player that did it. Now, I'll put this in perspective. If what Dustin Martin had done was a no-name player, let's just say um, maybe like Majak Dorr, or maybe a James Harms from Melbourne. Not saying that they're no names, but you know what I'm talking about. Top of the food chain, the cherry on the top side of players. Would the outcome have been the same? I honestly, deep down, thought no. I think this would have been taken to the tribunal. Now, I know that that's what would have probably happened. I know the greater good out there know that's what happened. But we can't understand how you can come out a number of weeks early and say, you can't do it. No, no. If it happens... You're going straight to the tribunal. It is, you're not going to uh, pass go. You're not going to collect your $200 and you're going to go straight to jail. Unless you're Dustin Martin or someone of a high caliber brand name within the game. Because we would hate to see someone getting rubbed out for touching an umpire. Now, once again, I was brought up in, in discussions on multiple radio stations. I've had a bit of a chat with a few of my uh, my colleagues at work, mates, etc., and over the time, I think it's a bit of a 50-50 split. Some are saying, no, nah, you can't do it whatsoever. But then there's others that say, well, look, they're just humans. Why can't we have some interaction with them? Um, as you know, I played footy for quite a number of years. And I think one of the things that I enjoyed was having a bit of banter with the umpires over the years. And I think over time, you get to know them, uh, not just as the uh, 
as we would say, the green maggot running around, but you'd actually get to know them by name because they come in and introduce themselves, how you're going, and you get to get that repetitive interactions with them over time. Um, and it's actually nice to have a bit of banter, but there was always that respect factor in. And I think, I reckon that's where the key point may need to come in. Here's um, a decision. Here's maybe a thought that was brought up, and I actually thought about it and reckon it's probably one of the best solutions to this exact issue. Instead of the AFL deciding if the umpire was threatened or put off by the behavior of the potential player, why doesn't the umpire make that decision? So if the umpire felt it was um, encroaching on the spirit or the laws of the game, then certainly go ahead, uh, submit the report, and then we take it further. But if they thought, look, you know, it was just a bit of banter, hearsay, there say, and they didn't feel it was anything wrong with it, well, then let it slide. I think, aren't they in the best position to do so? Um, if you think about it uh, in the you know, the general public, if, if one person, let's just say, assaults somebody else, the question is, do you want to raise a charge against this person? And they have the right to say yes or no. Am I right? I think I'm right. So why wouldn't this be any different? If the umpire does feel, in this particular case, if they feel threatened by it, because in a couple of cases they've said, look, I didn't even know you touched me, or it was that subtle, I didn't even worry about it. Yes, it's been taken further. Um, I just think that it's something that you know can ruin the relationships of the game. Um, and we don't want to. I think the game's become so sterile over the last number of years that this is the, one of the areas where there still can be a bit of that banter between um, the AFL uh, regulators being the umpires on the ground and the players themselves. And we don't want to actually lose that. We should embrace that a little bit more. Um, I still think there needs to be respect, but I also think that there still needs to be a bit of that back and forth by play just to, to humanize the game. Because last time I checked... Uh, they aren't robots, uh, they aren't programmable, but they are human beings. Let them act like it, okay, within the spirit of the game. Alrighty, um, I'm going to put it out there. Port Adelaide are on fire. Jamie Wallace, one of my listeners out there, would be absolutely pumped with the way that they're going. And they have got a bit of a belter this week on Friday night against my team, the Demons. And I think whoever wins this game will be shaping themselves up for a top four spot. Um, Melbourne had the bye last weekend, but they were pretty pathetic against the Pies on their Queen's birthday, um, their Queen's birthday blockbuster. Um, and I really think that they've learned from that situation, and I really think that they're going to come out firing for this week. Uh, they don't fear uh, Port Adelaide. They have one over there uh, a number of times in the last number of years, both against Port Adelaide and the Adelaide Football Club. So the Adelaide Oval doesn't uh, isn't as scary as it is for other clubs. Um, and I'm really looking forward to this. If they come out and show what they've done against uh, that winning run um, of, of six games straight and come out and like they did almost against Adelaide where they blew them completely out of the world in the first quarter and just had pressure upon pressure upon pressure for the entire um, 100 minutes of the game, then we'll see what's going to happen. I think they could take it out. But I tell you what, they're going to have to slow down. Uh, they, they have been missing Jake Lever, but I think Joel Smith did a magnificent job last week uh, against the Pies. And um, yeah, I think it's just going to be one of those games that's going to be very, very tight. And um, whoever loses, I think the question will be not if they can... Um, make the eight because I think both teams will make the eight but I think it'll depend on 
how they lose. If it's another one of those big margins for Melbourne, it's going to be, uh, once again, they can't stand up on the big stage. They can't uh, stand up in front of the big crowds when the pressure gets to them. I think in this state, uh, this stage, um, I honestly think that they're, they're going to take out the game. Um, and for Port Adelaide, well, once again, are they going to be the team that just beats up the, um, the the lower end and can't do anything about the top end? I don't know. I reckon it's going to be a cracker of a game. I'm really looking forward to it this week. Um, a very, very close game in Sydney between um, West Coast and the Swans. And once again, the Swans just know a way to win. Um, John Longmire has his team, his team primed. Uh, they've got that uh, top four spot looking very nice. A lot different to what happened last year. And it's amazing. They can almost get the, uh, when I say the Buddy Franklins, but the uh, no-name Franklins, if you know what I mean. They can just come in, take the spot of somebody else, and they're able to make a difference right away. They know what their role is. They know what they what they have to do, and they go ahead and do it. Um West Coast, they've had a loss, um, so their second loss for the year, but they did win 10 straight, so you know, kudos to them. And they're going to have a bit of a tough one, I think, against this week against Essendon. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, you'd think that they would they would win that with um, the strength of their team, but potentially there might be both of their um, key forwards out in Kennedy and Darling. Who's to say the Bombers can't take it out? I think everything has to go right for the Bombers. And everything has to virtually go wrong for the um, the West Coasters to take uh, for, for for Essendon to take it out. But you know they have been playing some half decent fo- football. The Bombers. I really don't want to say that, but I have to give them credit where credit's due. Um, so it's going to be a close game this Thursday night. But what wasn't a close game on the weekend was Carlton. Their woes just go from worse to worse. Um, it was interesting. You, you turn on um, you turn the game on at halftime, thinking, oh, what's the score going to be? And you see a score of this, seven points to 77 in favour of Fremantle. And Fremantle, yeah, they've done some tinkering over the last probably 12-ish so months. I think Ross Lyon has realised he has to inject some youth into the team, and he has done that. Um, but unfortunately, the, they, the, their woes, like I said for Carlton, they just keep growing. And unfortunately, the green shoots, as Brendan Bolton will say, um, I think they've actually gone dormant. Over winter and, and hibernating. I don't think that they're going to be um, doing much more. And um, yeah, I think they're going to be um, another case of Carl Tank this year. Um, in in spite of that, look at Fremantle. Um, Nat Fife is an absolute gun. Lockie Neal, you're an absolute gun. They've got their young blokes coming in. Brayshaw, you know, bit of a bit of a look out there because he's um, his brother, um, Mr. Brayshaw. I've gone blank. Angus playing for the D's. Um, so you tend to sort of see what would it have been like to, to have him over here, and they're, they're blowing it away as well too. So Fremantle, I think they've put um, they've put the stakes in the ground, um, and they're just going to hold the hand of these young blokes and get them across the line over the next couple of years. And fingers crossed they can get back to um, where they were a couple of years ago, at the expense of West Coast, obviously. Um, okay, now um, a team that's had pretty much the, the hardest run of any team so far this year due to the Commonwealth Games was the, or has been the Gold Coast Suns. And I think it just showed on the weekend how just when you think you've got victory, it can be, you can actually snatch defeat from the jaws of victory in the space of a Thanos snap. Um, I think they learned a lesson on the weekend that you have to play the game out right until the end. And the interesting thing is, is that the team that they did against, which was St Kilda, have had their own number of issues over the over the course of this season of 2018. Um, 
it, it was funny. They um, they flipped it around. They never gave in. And I was actually at a game at a Melbourne game quite a number of years ago where Melbourne did exactly the same thing, where they snatched victory uh, in the last virtual minute of the game. And St Kilda, which, which was known as pretty much the game that ruined Jimmy Tumpus's career at the D's, um, snatched it within the last, I think it was 13 or 14 seconds of the game. And so they fought it all the way to the end. They never gave up. And interestingly enough that when the Saints have been playing this year, that's one thing that you wouldn't have expected from them. But they just kept grinding it out, grinding it out. Even being over 30 points down at one stage during the game, they just kept going, just kept going, just kept going. And that Gresham goal from the boundary was uh, an absolute special, as Big Brucey would say. Um, So I think the, the Suns and the Saints can definitely take a lot out of that. From the Suns' perspective, there is uh, a lot of um, a lot of benefits to the way that they are playing. Stewie Jew is making a difference, but there is still a lot of work to be done with that group, and it may get even harder if uh, their captain Tom Lynch decides not to stay next year. Which uh, the talk here in Melbourne is is that he is definitely on the way. You'd love to see him stay to show that commitment to the club. But many people have said you've only got one career and the whole reason you want to play football is to get that premiership. And if he's not going, if he can't see that premiership coming within the next five to seven years at the Gold Coast Suns, does he make the opportunity when he's right at the top of his um, worth to come down to Melbourne, get the big bucks and potentially grab a flag with a Melbourne club? From the flip side, from a Melbourne uh, club's perspective, do you... Um, Rob Peter to pay Paul. Yes, you, you're going to be getting someone of the quality of uh, Tom Lynch into the team. But what's that going to be at the expense of? Is it going to be at the expense of a couple of your second tier or maybe a few of your third tier players? I know a number of clubs have been through that before. I know Essendon went through it a number of years ago um, with Heffernan and so forth having to leave after their premiership success. Um, it's it's always going to happen that people are going to get squeezed out. And the, you know, is one guy going to make a massive difference I don't think so far. If you have a look at all the big signings that have happened probably in the last, let's just say, six, seven years, I don't think there's been one of those massive signings that's been brought into a club that theoretically has made a massive amount of difference to the club. Perfect example, Gary Ablett went up to the Suns, and you'd say probably much before he did his shoulder, they were looking finals bound. He gets injured, he goes, we don't have it there. Um, Dustin Martin did re-sign for a good packet of cash Uh, so it's good to see that maybe that one you could sort of look but from an external perspective coming in I'm not too sure I don't know if there's been many that have have made a difference hey listeners let me know Um, send me a comment obviously like I said we can be found on the Anchor Network now found on Google uh, Google Podcasts this week we just went live Uh, we can be found on iTunes uh, Pocket Cast Podbean Plenty of resources. So send me a message, send me a tweet, send me a um, an email, whatever, please. Love to hear what your feedback is on this particular subject. Okay, let's move on. Oh, the Adelaide Football Club. Can you believe this team less than 12 months ago was playing in a grand final? Uh, and since then, everything has just gone from worse to worse. Has there been a team outside of the Doggies in 2016 that have capitulated as hard as... Adelaide have done. Uh, I'd actually throw the question out there. Whose fall has been greater? Has it been Adelaide's or has it been the Bulldogs? I'm going to throw it up to you. 
Um, I know that Hawthorne missed the finals, I think it was the year after the 2008 grand final. Uh, the Doggies could be, I think, maybe one of a number of teams to be able to do it in their first two years. And you think after Adelaide's um, effort on the weekend that they're gone as well. They're completely finished. They're not going to be able to make the eight. And some questions have to be asked about apparently the preseason camp that they had at the start of the year, which has caused um, a lot of physical injury. They've had uh, plenty of hamstring uh, twangs out there. But also from a psychological perspective, I think that has impacted quite a number of players. And they had a shell of the team that made the the, um, the grand final last year. And um, I think Don Pike has got a bit of a challenge to get that group back together because it looks like maybe Rory Sloan could be out the door. Um, they've, all, they've got a bit of a revolving door down there at, at Adelaide. Um, they tend to get a lot of players in and they also seem to have a lot of players go out as well. Um, was the two uh, massive draft picks that they invested into Bryce Gibbs, has that made a massive difference? I'm not too sure, but that was two first rounders. They had to get him in. Um, you know, he has he has been playing all right football, but he would have thought that he would have had Walker Sloan, the Crouch brothers, uh, the other Tommy Lynch backing him up throughout the year, and they just haven't been there. So it's been a bit, a bit of a tough ride for him, but a massive uh, tough ride for the um, Adelaide Crows. But for the rest of us, we really don't care because... Uh, we don't like people from um, the uh, Adelaide, or as I would say, Mexico. And um, as long as your teams keep losing, including this week with Port lose, uh, we can't ask for much more than that. So good work. All right, now, how good was the game Sunday afternoon? Oh, that's right. Not many of you got to, to watch it because it was only on pay TV. And now the Wingers have come out and said, why wasn't I free to, t- free to air? Why wasn't it on Channel 7? How come? Well, the reason is because the Thursday and the Friday night games were... Uh, Channel 7's allocation, they didn't have the Sunday afternoon game. But you know what? There was nothing stopping you getting off your butt and going to the game. Like, it wasn't the MCG as... Oh, oh, sorry, was it the MCG? It might have been an idiot. I can't remember. Long day. Um, Actually, was it the MCG? Sorry about that. Well, why would you even um, worry about it? Just get off your butt and go to the game. Oh, it was a bit cold. Well, that makes the difference between a supporter and a member. Outside of that, if it was a shocker of a game and it was a blowout, no one would have cared two beats. So if you can get a chance, watch the game. It was a cracker back and forth, flowing football, everything that we've been wanting for a long time. Um, it was a, How good was it to see Daniel Rioli back on the main stage? He's had a lot of uh, injuries so far this year. And you can just see as soon as he got back in, he just injected some more excitement into that Tigers forward line like they need even more. Um, and it's just really awesome to see and, yeah, really good to be part of. So kudos to Daniel Rioli getting back out there as well too. Um, from the Geelong perspective, Gary Ablett, he's just ticking along nicely. It looks like he's played another one of his quality games. Um, and he had Selwood in support as well too. So I think that once again, um, he is starting to get his money's worth as well. Geelong, they're just ticking along nicely. They'll take a lot of things out of that game. Richmond just uh, sitting pretty nicely at the moment. And um, as we move into this week's round of football, there's a lot of nice things shaping up. It was, once again, due to the buy, a shortened version. So this podcast isn't going to be as long as we normally do. But um, for the first time ever, we're going to announce this week's uh, Great Pretender. And it's going to, as I said earlier on in the podcast, to an organization that isn't um, part of the AFL community for the first time in 2018. And I'm proud to announce who they are. Oh, yes. 
Pretender for this round goes to Optus Sport. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, Optus Sport uh, purchased not just the rights to the English Premier League, but also the World Cup games to be streamed through their mobile network and also through their television devices. I think through Fetch TV, etc. you can do so as well. Um, that was free to any uh, Optus subscribers and only a small $15 investment for anyone else who would like to watch the games on their mobile. Except there was one small issue. The freaking thing didn't work. Um, throughout this week, there's been people complaining about the uh, the feed was choppy, the feed was cutting out, the quality was awful, they couldn't even watch it. Now, you would think that a company that would struggle to actually keep their mobile network running at times would think, hey, how good would it be to piggyback the second biggest um, sports event probably outside of the Olympic Games and in some people's minds more important onto a network that has its own issues and will charge people for it. It is mind-numbing to think that this was ever going to work. We just don't have the capabilities to do so. Our mobile, our internet, our everything in this country is disgraceful. If anybody's got the NBN, yeah, it's okay, but it is so far behind other countries, it is not funny. The thing will be obsolete before it gets even finished. And for a mobile telecommunications company to actually believe that they could roll out a quality product um, at such an important time for so many people, it was ludicrous. It was never going to work. And um, at the time of this recording, it's now meaning that a few more games are going to be now shown on SBS and potentially the rest of the group games will be shown on, uh, on SBS um, and people could be also getting their money back. That would be what happening. Optus... You know what? You say you're a mobile communications company, an entertainment company, but in my eyes, you're nothing short of uh, this week's prime nomination, and only outside of the um, uh, outside of the AFL nomination for the Great Pretender. Well done. So there you go, folks. The siren has sounded in another episode of the Laces Out podcast. It's been fantastic to be able to sit here with you for uh, the last 20, 20-odd 20 minutes and to just have a bit of a chat about our wonderful game of AFL football. Like I said, you can find us uh, on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, uh, Podbean, Anchor Network, and multiple other avenues. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you'd like to see. Tweet me at... Uh, at CJ Pepper 6 to treat uh, treat me tweet me some ideas that you'd like to hear. Hey, and if you'd like to be a guest presenter on the show, let me know, and we'd be happy to have you uh, join the Laces Out community. So, until next time, I'm Chris Pepper, and make sure you enjoy your football like I do. Laces out.